I'd like to welcome everybody who's uh, joined us online and also in the lower hall and in the consolidation room. Let's give them all a warm welcome here in the church this morning. Amen. I'm just catching my breath now. Hallelujah. <laughs> Exodus. Amen. Freedom. Exodus chapter 14 and verse 13. Well, I was thinking about that this morning and last night when I was preparing about freedom and liberty and dancing. I remember something my old youth pastor told me that if you want to break through, you just got to dance. Hallelujah. You just got to dance. Some of you don't believe that this morning. Tell your neighbor, you've got to dance. Hallelujah. You've got to dance. If you're not used to dancing, that's all right. You can dance in the car park at the end of the service. You can dance in your bedroom. Some of you dance in the shower, so that's okay as well. You can keep it private. But just, you know, step in to that spirit of praise and praising God and just go for it. Hallelujah. Who knows what will happen. The worst that you can do, you might get sweaty. The best that can happen, the glory of God will come down upon you in Jesus' name. Amen. And so just let's begin to thank God. That's been the week of thanking God and praising God and remembering the great things that he's been doing in our lives in Jesus' name. Let's pray as we come to the word of God. Exodus chapter 14, verse 13. Father, we thank you for this morning. Father, we thank you for the victory that we have in Christ. We thank you that you made a way where there was no way, Lord. You sent your only son to die for us on the cross, Lord. And you rose again on the third day, Lord God, to give us new life, Lord Jesus. We give you praise this morning. We thank you that you've saved our lives and the reason you've saved us is that you want to go and save the rest of the world, Lord, in Jesus' name. So, Father God, make opportunities for witness and evangelism this week, Lord God. Lord, we pray we'll not be bound by fear not be bound by any obstacle in our way. We pray you'll take away the obstacles, Lord, in our lives. And that we may connect with someone who needs you, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Father, we want to be part of your adventure, Lord God. So let us step into what you're doing, Father. And let us step out of what we're doing. Let your kingdom come. Your will be done in Jesus' name. Amen. The title of my message this morning is quite simple. God will make a way. Hallelujah. God will make a way for you where there seems to be no way. And Exodus chapter 14 is the verse from verse 13 and reading. And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you will see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. And the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. But lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And I indeed will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they shall follow them. So I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his army, his chariots, and his horsemen. Then the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord, when I have gained honor for myself over Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. And the angel of God who went before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud went from before them and stood behind them. So it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. Thus it was a cloud and darkness to one, and it was gave light by night to the other, so that the one did not come near the other all that night. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night, and made the sea into dry land, and the waters were divided. So the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, and the waters were a wall to them on their right and on their left. Here we see a passage of Scripture, quite simply, that the people of Israel are coming out of the land of Egypt. And now we know that God is a God of miracles. Hallelujah. We know that in KT, we know downstairs in the lower hall, when they dug it out, they, they found wheelchairs and crutches. We know that this church is called the Church of the Great Physician. And we could really rename it and say the Church of Miracles. Hallelujah. 
We know the God of miracles. Well, the children of Israel, they knew the God of miracles. There was a distinction between the children of Israel and, and the Egyptians. There we see it, the cloud by day and the fire by night. There was a distinction there in this verse where God was about to move. And I want to tell you this morning, there's a distinction between you as a Christian and a non-Christian. What is that distinction this morning? It's the light of the world, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. You have the light of the gospel shining in your life and upon you. And here, because they knew the God of miracles. It's amazing to see this morning how it's easy to forget what God has done. We've been remembering this last week, the great things God has done. But, you know, going into this week, I had to search my own heart and, and remember, think of what, what has God done? Because sometimes you're so caught up in your circumstances and your fears and, and all the things that are going wrong, you forget to focus on what God has already done. And here, they've reached a roadblock. It's called the Red Sea. They've seen what God was, had done. He was a miracle worker. But what was God doing now? There was a roadblock. And God had to speak to Moses and said to the people, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. You know, fear will block you from God's will for your life. The Bible says the fear of man brings a snare. And God had to say to the people, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. I don't know if there's anybody here this morning who needs God to make a way. Needs God to make a way where there seems to be no way. Think about lost loved ones and family members. Maybe you've tried and you've prayed and you've cried out to God and yet there seems to be no way. They've turned their back on God. They've turned their back on you. But I want to tell you this morning there is hope in God. Hallelujah. God is in the business of saving people. That's what he does. That's why Jesus came, to save people, to intervene. And right throughout the scriptures, you see the God of salvation. But God asks Moses to do one thing. He says, listen, why don't you tell the people to continue to move forward? And what I need you to do is to stretch forth your hand. What does that mean to us this morning? God has given us all we need in our hands. And, and we've been challenging the church this year to rise up in prayer. Why have we been challenging the church to rise up in prayer? Because this year in January, our senior minister said, this is the year of breakthrough. I said, this is the year of breakthrough. Yeah. Now, if this is the year of breakthrough, then we have to break through something. It's not going to be easy. We're not just going to walk and it's going to be, oh, well, there's no breakthrough there. It's just taking a stroll. And looking around, but you know, if there's going to be a breakthrough, the enemy's going to say, well, if you're going to break through to the next level, I'm going to put an obstacle in your way. And here, there was an obstacle of the Red Sea, and they had to believe God again, and Moses had to stretch forth his hand. That's the spirit of prayer right there, stretching forth your hand. Why? Because prayer is the key to your breakthrough. And this year, we challenged the church Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 6.30 in the morning to rise up early out of bed and start to intercede. Why? Because we believe that this year is the year of the breakthrough. Hallelujah. God is the God who parts the Red Sea. When I was preparing for this message, I was asking God for a simple, a simple word. And uh, as I was preparing this message, I believe that God started to minister to me, Isaiah 43 and verse 19, which says, Do you not perceive and know it? Or will you not give heed to it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Sometimes when we look at our lives, we see the wilderness and we see the desert. But you know what God says? I will even make a road in the wilderness. I will make a way for you where there seems to be no way. 
The Apostle Paul in Colossians 4 verse 2 encourages us as a church to pray that God will make a way. Pray that God will make a way. We know that Colin's been teaching us that persecution has been coming to the church in Europe. And we know out there how difficult sometimes it can be to share your faith. That's why you need to pray for open doors. And Paul here says in Colossians 4 verse 2, continue earnestly in prayer. Being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mysteries of Christ, for which I'm also in chains, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Paul's saying, pray for me. Now, you might think this morning that Paul is like a super apostle. I mean, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. You think, oh my God, Paul, surely God, Paul didn't need God to open doors. But Paul there is approaching resistance, and he's saying, pray for me. Pray for me that God would open doors. Now, if God needs to open doors for Paul, he needs to open doors for you. In Jesus' name, in your daily life, in your family life, in your work life. Now, I know this, this year we were praying, and it was, it was possible that we, that Torian might not have a job this year, and we were praying and asking God to open doors. And suddenly when you're, you're looking at your life and you're thinking, my God, if my wife's not working, how hard, how tough might life be? I know some of you have been jobless this year, and suddenly all the anxieties, all the fears, all the worries can start gripping your heart. And you need to encourage your heart this morning because God says he will make a way. And we have to encourage ourselves and say, God, you've got to make a way. Give us wisdom. Give us guidance. Colin was ministering last week on the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. Some of you are here. You need the wisdom of the Holy Spirit for God to open doors. God makes the way when he speaks through his word. And so we're seeking God. And, and I just really felt that, that Toyin should go where her favor was. And she had a job in Houston, one of the hospitals there, where she had a lot of favor. And she hadn't spoken to the, the gentleman, the consultant, for quite a while. And it, it looked like it wasn't going to happen for us. So she called the guy. And it turns out that when she called him, that she, she had an, he made an appointment with her. She went to meet him there at the hospital. And when they had a conversation, he said, you know what's happening right now? One of the ladies is leaving a job. And there's a job opportunity for you. Would you like to take it? <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, she still needs to apply for the job past the interview, and that's another stress factor right there. But, you know, you need to pray that God, who has opened that door, we believed God for that, and then God opened that door, and now she's working full-time there. So we thank God, and we give Jesus praise. I say, hallelujah. God is the God who opens doors. We have to pray, we have to seek God, but God is the one who opens doors. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 40 that the mountain shall be brought low. And the valleys shall be filled in, and the crooked places shall be made straight in Jesus' name. I don't know if anybody here this morning needs crooked places to be made straight in their lives. God is an expert. In Zechariah 4, verse 6, he says, Who are you, O mountain against Zerubbabel? You shall become a plain in Jesus' name. God will wipe out the mountains in your life. The Apostle Paul knew the mountains in his life. I remember when I, I went to Romania on mission. If you're going to be involved in mission, meaning you're going to say that I want to do what God wants me to do. I remember when John Glass was here ministering, and he, he said these words that stuck with me. I want to be in the center of God's will. I want to do what God's called me to do. And if you want to do what God's called you to do, you've got to be on mission. Now, it might not be mission internationally, but you're on in, you're in mission right now in London. 
God has sent you here, whether it's from Africa, Philippines, South America, wherever you're from, God has sent you here for a reason in Jesus' name. And if you're in Kensington Temple, you already have a purpose because our purpose is to win London and the world for Christ. And you need to marry London, be planted in London, own London while you're here and say, God, what have you called me to do? And so we went on mission. We just came back from Romania uh, last weekend. We had a great time and I thank everybody for their prayers. But when I turned up in Romania, it seemed very difficult. Why? Because when I flew out in January to open up some of these missions, we've had three missions this last year, and 70 people have been sent from KT to a mission to Romania this year, which is, which is an amazing achievement. And our senior minister has a desire that every single one of you would go on a mission while you're here in KT. So I landed in Romania, and guess what happened? It had snowed. Now, it hadn't just snowed like a bit of London, a bit of slush, but it snowed, the snow was about this high, 10 feet. Some of the houses you might have saw on the, the, the uh, news, the, the, some houses were snowed in. People couldn't get out of their houses. So when I arrived, it had just fallen. The snow had just fallen. I got in the car. We just got out of the airport, only to find out that the snow had fallen and the highway was blocked. Needless to say, we didn't get very far. There was a roadblock. We had signs cars were snowed in. I mean, picture it. Everything has got white snow all over it. Now, I thought to myself, Lord, am I even going to get there? Are you going to make a way? Am I going to arrive? Is this trip going to be a waste of time? What's going to happen? And then we, we had to wait six hours there in Bucharest. And what they were debating, were the snow plows going to come and snow up the, clear the highway? Or were, were we going to be blocked in? And we heard on the radio saying, listen, don't take the highway because the people who are clearing the snow are not coming because they're being snowed in. And so we had to take all the small roads. And there was an American guy who was taking me through these small roads in, in Romania. I thought, my God, how can an American guy possibly know these small roads in, in, in Romania? Lord, what's going to happen? Are, are you going to make a way or not? Are we going to get lost or not? And you can imagine all the snow coming down. It took us seven hours from 6 o'clock in the evening to 1 a.m. in the morning, past all these roads to arrive. Eventually, we arrived in Medjidia. Hallelujah. And I felt God saying to me, listen, I have a plan for you here. I'm making a way for you here. I've got you here. We managed to lead the church in prayer. We had a great time. Uh, and as, as I left, we couldn't go on the highway a week later. Why? Because the snow fell again. So I felt like, am I going to be snowed in in Romania? Opening up the door for this mission. Am I going to be snowed in? What's going to happen? And I partly thought, well, it would be quite good to be snowed in. Lord, I'll get a week off work maybe. You know, you think these things in your head. But then I thought, I want to come back. I need to come back. I need to be back in London. So I don't want to be snowed in. Anyway, I got the train out. Some Romanian guy, a taxi cab driver who was organized by the church, picked me up. He didn't speak a word of English, so I followed him by faith into his taxi. We went to the airport. We flew. I got out of there. I arrived in London, and I checked my emails when I got back. And Vasilika, who's a pastor out there, said to me, listen, you know, praise God you got out because that was the last train that got out of Medjidia that day because the snow fell again and the roads were blocked for a whole week. So thank God and give Jesus praise because God, if he wants you to be in a place, he will make a way. Hallelujah. If he wants you to be in a place, he will make a way. <clears throat> now we had some great things happening in Romania this last time. And uh, one of the, the stories that I'd like to tell you this morning is, 
is a story of one of the, the, the fathers of one of the, the, the youths that were in the church. We arrived at the youth meeting, and as we arrived at the youth meeting, nobody was there. And so, as you can imagine, it was a revival already. Hallelujah. And we were thinking, oh God, what's happening? Where are these young people? And then suddenly we started to pray and some of these young people started to come in. And, and, and at that point, you're relying on God for the breakthrough. There's three young people came to this meeting. I thought, Lord, what are you going to do with three young people? And suddenly we started to pray. And one of the guys there, I don't know if he's here this morning, God bless him, I think he was a little discouraged because he was doing, instead of signs and wonders, miracle meetings, he was doing construction work. Now, I don't know anybody here this morning who feels the call to go to Romania for construction work, but there are people here this morning who love to be involved in soul winning and signs and wonders and miracles. Hallelujah. Seeing blind eyes open. And I felt God speak to me. He said, and I had a vision. And as I was praying for him, I had this vision of a paint bucket that had been used. There was no more paint in it, and it was pouring out over his head. And as I saw this, I said to him, listen, as you've been faithful in construction work, the Lord is now going to pour on you the anointing for miracles for this mission and at that point the Holy Spirit just came into that room and this guy fell on the floor all the team fell on the floor and suddenly instead of having a boring meeting we had a Holy Spirit meeting hallelujah and many of these young people got filled with the Spirit for the first time and God spoke to me and I really just felt you're stepping out on a limb and he's saying I really feel if there's three young people maybe we should visit these three young people we don't know where they live. We're just praying for them. Uh, we don't know where they live. So I just said to them, listen, if you want someone to visit you, well, you know, we, we can possibly do that. So, you know, go back to your parents, see if we can come and see you, and let us know the next day. Well, the good news was we were already coming back with the team to run some children's work the next day. And one of the young people said, come and visit my, my dad. We, we didn't know anything that was happening with his dad. So we went to see him. About four of us arrived at this house, and... Um, the dad arrived, he was so happy to see us. I mean, he was beaming, he was just smiling. And, and I was like, wow. And we, as we presented ourselves and we presented the gospel to him, one of the pastors said to him, God loves you. I thought, God loves you? That's not a word from God. God loves you. He said it again, God loves you. He said it a third time, God loves you. I thought, that's not going to make any difference. You're thinking logically, you know. But this man began to tell us, as after that, as we preached the gospel to him, he was wondering about the love of God. He was wondering if God could help him. He just lost his wife two years ago, and he had 11 children. And he was praying a week before we turned up. He was praying a week, and he told us, last week I was praying. I mean, I was in a desperate situation, and I was crying out to God, send someone to present the gospel to me. Send someone to help me. I need some help. And he prayed a prayer, and he said, Lord, don't send them from Medjidea. I don't want to see anyone from Medjidea. I want to see someone from outside Medjidea. And then God sent us there, hallelujah. It was not on the schedule, but we went there. And at this point, this man started to weep. He started to weep and weep and weep. And he gave his life to the Lord right there on the spot in his own house. <clears throat> Why do I say that this morning? Because God can make a way where there is no way. That guy was crying out to God. You might be crying out to God this morning. And God can make a way in your life where there seems to be no way. The Apostle Paul here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 8, he says, We are hedged in, pressed on every side, troubled and oppressed in every way, but not cramped or crushed. We suffer embarrassment and are perplexed and are unable to find a way out, but not driven to despair. You're reading this. Why? Because Paul had to suffer a lot of persecution. 
He was shipwrecked many times, and you read those verses. But he says there, and I want us to focus on there, he said he was unable to find a way out. He doesn't say there was no way out. He was unable to find a way out. He was pressed. He was going through it. But we also know in Acts 27 that God spoke to Paul about what was going to happen when he was going to become shipwrecked. You can turn there, Acts chapter 27. Paul, Colin was ministers last week about wisdom. And sometimes when we're asking God for wisdom, people from experience in the church can ignore good godly wisdom. They can ignore it. Why? Because they feel that they've, they know it all. They know what's right, and you're trying to advise them, but they're just going to go the other way, no matter what you tell them. And here in Acts 27, verse 9, Paul says to the people, don't take this journey. Don't, he warns them, and he says, don't take this journey. God has showed me it's going to end in disaster and much loss. But because the person in charge decided, no, well, we're going to go anyway. I don't believe what you're saying. We're going to go anyway. So they went. And what was happening is they had to get rid of all the cargo, all the stuff on the boat. The ship looked like it was going to be a complete disaster. And then Paul had to pray. He had to pray. He had to seek God. And as he began to seek God, it says there in verse 21 of Acts 27, but after a long absence of food, then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, men, you should have listened to me and have not sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster or loss. And now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only the ship. But there stood by me this night an angel of God, to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. And indeed, God has granted you all those who sail with you. Therefore, take heart, men, for I believe God, that he, it will be just as it was told me. Wow. God suddenly intervenes, even though they went the wrong way. I want to tell you this morning, even though you might have went the wrong way, even though you might have made some wrong decisions, God can still turn around. Hallelujah. God can still speak to you. And Paul, he fasts and prays. That's why if we're going to see a breakthrough this year, we need to make sure that we're in prayer. That we're connected to the Holy Spirit. And it's not just the type of prayer where you pray on the morning five minutes on the way to the train. We all know that, Lord, bless me, protect this train just in case a terror attack. Lord, help me, protect me. Just these little prayers. It's going to take much more than that if you're going to receive a breakthrough here. Paul abstains from food. He's in a place of prayer, and he's seeking God. Why? Because his life is at stake. And we know that the life of the church is at stake, not just KT, but globally in Europe, the life of the church. We need to continue to believe God for the church, that people will be saved, new people will be added, and that the church will increase and grow in every generation. And Paul prays and God speaks to him and says, listen, it's all going to be okay. I am going to make a way for you. I'm going to make a way where it seems to be no way. Now, I don't know if you know anything about ships. Anybody been on a ship or a ferry? I personally don't like them. You know why I don't like them? Because when I was eight, I went on a ferry to Zeebrugge uh, in Belgium, and I felt really sick. And then I remember uh, Colin was into diving, and I remember thinking, oh, I might get involved in that. And so I was testing out one of the boats that were in Brazil. And uh, as I was on this boat, Colin went diving. I don't know how deep he went, but it seemed to me like he went to the other side of the world. That's how deep he went, because it was that long. And I was sitting on the boat, and I started to feel really sick. I wasn't sick, but that's why I don't go on boats today. And here in this ship, 
You can imagine that they're just about to crash. It's going to be over for them. But God steps in and God saves them in Jesus' name. Now, you might be in a difficult situation this morning. You might feel like your life is sinking, like things are not working out for you. But I want to tell you this morning that God can turn it around. Hallelujah. God can help you. He can intervene because he's in the business of changing lives. He's in the business of turning around situations. And then it says in verse 42, if you read it, it says at the end of verse 44, and so it was that they all escaped safely to the land. They all were safe. God wants you to be safe. He wants us to be safe. He's going to make a way through for you. Hallelujah. We all know that Don Moyne song, if you've been in the church quite a long time, God will make a way where there seems to be no way. Hallelujah. God will make a way where there seems to be no way. Let's turn over to 1 Samuel chapter 16. Now, as I was preparing for this, this message, uh, I decided to prepare. And as I was preparing on Friday night and Saturday, during Saturday, I was preparing in the morning and I was asking God for a word. And then I went upstairs and as I began to pray, I began to drift off into some intercession. And for 45 minutes, I was in this intercession. It was called sleep. <laughs> and as I was in this intercession, I was thinking about what God would want me to speak on. And you know, sometimes God can give you answers to prayer in that kind of position of sleepy prayer. Hallelujah. As long as your heart is in the right place. You can check your Bibles for that later on. Hallelujah. And as I woke up, I woke up suddenly from this sleep. I just woke up suddenly. And, and, be, and as I was having this nice dream drifting off, I was in a car and I was driving down this road. And as I was driving down a road, suddenly I, I banged into a big obstacle that was in front of me. And it, was, it looked like snow, like ice. Someone had just put some snow and ice on the road and I'd whacked straight into it and I just, boom, and I just woke up out of my sleep. I thought, my God, what was that, Lord? What was that? And then God led me to pray. He led me to pray and to speak on this message. And he led me to pray, pray the prayer, Lord, make a way where there seems to be no way. Now, I don't know who put that obstacle there in my sleep. I was enjoying the sleep. It could have been God. God could have been saying, listen, get up out of your sleep. Awake out of your sleep. And he puts it there. Or it could have been God saying, listen, that's the devil. The devil has put obstacles in your way. And I am saying to you, I am the God of breakthrough. I am the God who wants to bust through those obstacles so you can get ahead to your destination. And I believe that's what God is saying. Often God does put roadblocks in your life to get you to the right place at the right time. Paul was preaching the gospel and he was preaching all over the world. That was the right thing to do. It was the will of God. Uh, but God said to him, listen, don't go there. Don't go here, but I want you to go to the people of Macedonia. And Paul heard the call of the Macedonian cry. And as Paul preached to the Macedonians, they start to respond to the gospel. Now, God can put a roadblock in your life so that you get to the right destination. But this morning, I want to emphasize that there's obstacles that other people can put in your way. In 1 Samuel, see the call of David. And I believe Bruce prayed at the 9 o'clock service about new sons arising from KT. From KTLCC, new sons, new daughters, daughters of the house, people who will grab a hold of the vision. Now, where are they right now? God said here in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 5 onwards, God said to Samuel, listen, how long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I've rejected him king? 
Now there was obstacles in Samuel's life. There was like a roadblock in his heart. He, he, he wanted Saul to continue. He, 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 he anointed him king. And he was thinking, my God, I, I want him to continue. This is, a, this is the move of God. I, I just like how it is. But God said to him, listen, I've rejected Saul. And I've found a king, a man after my own heart. So you see here in 1 Samuel 16, Samuel cues up all of Jesse's sons, all seven of them. And Jesse picks the best of them and is all seven, all tall, all strong. Now, it's not physical strength that will cause you to break through. It's not good looks that will cause you to break through, although I'm quite handsome, hallelujah. And so are you, hallelujah. Tell your neighbor you're quite handsome, hallelujah. Some of you need a bit of encouragement, hallelujah. I need more encouragement in Jesus' name. It doesn't matter how much you lose weight, sometimes it always comes back. You have, to, you have to keep strengthening yourself, hallelujah, strengthening yourself in God. You know, and here, he lines up all the best. Why? Because Jesse has probably prayed, he's interceded for all these sons, and for some reason, he's left David out. Now, some people can leave you out. Why? Because they don't believe in you. They have, they have a mindset about you. When I tell you this morning, you don't get your mindset or your identity from what someone else thinks about you. You get your mindset and identity from what God thinks about you. And God saw David. He saw David as a worshiper. That's why just before I began to speak, I, lo- I just love worshiping. Not just so it looks good. I, I couldn't care if it looks good. You know, I, I want to be good in the sight of God. I want to meet with God. I want to have a pure heart. And I want you to have a pure heart. And it's a pure heart that will meet with God. And God showed me at the beginning of this show when we're praying as a cell group that often in our hearts, we ourselves are our own roadblock. We ourselves are our own roadblock. We want to do God's will. We're praying for God to help us, but we won't pray. We won't read our Bibles. We won't get out there and evangelize. We just won't. There's a, I won't attend cell group. You know, there's pride there. There's stuff going on. Why? Maybe someone hurt us. Maybe someone spoke out of turn. These kind of things, we know that happens the longer you're in church and things like that. And we block ourselves up and God started, he showed me a picture of a, of a stream. And as the stream was going through, there was many rocks in that stream. And with the rocks, what were the rocks doing? They were, they were blocking the flow of the stream. They were blocking the river of God. And maybe there's somebody here this morning, you know there's a roadblock in your life. You know there's a rock in your heart. You know that you used to receive the presence of God. I mean, you used to be baptized with God and you used to be in love with God, but there's rocks there right now. I believe right now God wants to remove those rocks. God started to remove the rocks in Samuel's life. He said, get over it. Get over Saul. Start moving forward. There was rocks in Jesse's life. Why? Because he didn't even know that the king, the future king was even in his house. But you know what? They get David from the sheep and they bring him in. And straight away, as soon as he comes in, God says, that's the one. Hallelujah. That's the one. God can make a way where there seems to be no way. Hallelujah. God can give you a job. He can provide for you. He can do anything. So just start believing him in Jesus' name. I remember when I came down to KT and uh, just, just two, two stories I want to say this morning. One, Gable was announcing the Bible school. I believe that the future Bible school students are here this morning at the 11 o'clock service. I believe God's calling you to go to Bible school. Why? I don't even need to be a prophet. 
I just know because you're in KT, because you've decided that KT is your church, and KT has a Bible school that was started over 25 years ago because Colin had a vision to raise up future leaders of the house. The fact that God has put you in this house, took you from the sheep pen, and put you here in front of the prophet is just a witness right now that God's calling you to the next level whether it's evening school or daytime school, you need to seriously ask God this morning, God, are you calling me to Bible school? Are you calling me, Lord? And if the Holy Spirit speaks to you, you need to be ready to give up things. I remember being in the northeast of England, and the reason I went to Bible school, I was seeking God, and someone came up to me and said, listen, I believe God's called you to Bible school. Go and train in the things of God. And who would have known that God would have sent me to KT? I'd never heard of Kensington Temple. I never even knew of Colin Dye. I never knew of even Elam. The only thing I knew about Elam, there was a, a, a bit of a church in Durham that wasn't quite good that we visited one time. That, that's all I knew about Elam. And uh, I know it's a lot better today, John. Hallelujah. Amen. But you know, you know, that's all I knew. And somebody went to a Rodney Howe Brown meeting where Colin was there hosting this Rodney Howe Brown meeting. And on a seat in a Rodney Howe Brown meeting, there was a Bible school prospectus. And that Bible school prospectus went from London in somebody's hand all the way back to the church in the northeast of England. And when I came through the door and I was asking God, what Bible school do you want me to go to? Somebody handed this prospectus into my hand. I tell you, God can make a way where there seems to be no way. And as I prayed over that Bible school perspective, God said, that's the place for you. That is the place for you. God can make a way where there seems to be no way. I was at the exit door right there. A young boy from the northeast of England, from a town called Spennymoor that nobody has heard of. Hallelujah. And uh, at the exit door, one of my friends was saying to me, listen, if you're going to grow in God, if you're going to move forward, you need someone to mentor you. You need someone to help you move forward. A bit like David there, just out there. And I was saying, well, you know what? God has this great call. When I came to Bible school, I was telling everybody, God's called me to be an evangelist. Now, it hadn't happened yet. I didn't even know really what an evangelist was. I, I couldn't really talk. Oh, well, I could talk, but you couldn't understand me. So that's kind of how it is. I don't even know if you're going to understand me this morning. So <laughs> you just nod your head and say amen, hallelujah, and get the CD at the end of the service, hallelujah. <laughs> but you know what? I, even though I had these difficulties speaking and, and a dodgy Georgie accent, I was out there praying, God, if you called me to be an evangelist, get someone to mentor me. Now, Colin, our senior minister, would walk through the Bible school in those days with about 100 people sitting there. We had Brazilians. We had people from Korea. We had loads of people, translation going on. And as Colin would walk through into his office, everybody would bow their head and be very scared. And why? Because they believed that Colin was a prophet, and he is, but also they believed that Colin could see all the sins in their life. So what would happen? You might believe that this morning as well. I'm sure sometimes it is true as well. But you know what? There was this fear. And I, I thought, my God, if anyone's going to mentor me, it has to be Colin Dye. Now, I don't know if that came from the Holy Spirit. I believe it did. But right there, I was believing God. I remember crying out to God in prayer and saying, God, if you're going to open a door and open a way for someone to mentor me, then get the senior minister of the church to take me out for a meal. Now, I know a lot of Colin's assistants have also prayed that prayer as well. But I remember praying. I was in tears. I was up there in the um, number one. I'll tell you another story. I was praying out loud and shouting out to God. I didn't realize the window was open. Um, 
upstairs, and also Bruce's uh, office window was open as well. As I began to cry to go for the breakthrough, I heard a telephone call. As the phone call was going off, I remember thinking, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Lord, I'm going to get my breakthrough. And I continued to pray. I think I prayed three times like Daniel. And as I was praying and seeking God, I thought, I better get this call. I picked up the telephone uh, in the spirit, obviously. And then I heard this voice down, is that you, Christian? Is that you, Christian? I thought, is that you, Lord? He said, no, it's Bruce. Can you shut up? You're waking up the neighbors. Well, any, hallelujah. Anyway, in the same place of prayer, I prayed a little bit more quiet. I was a bit on my knees at this point. I was crying out to God. Tears were coming to my eyes. I was saying, God, open the door. Open the door. And if you open the door, Lord, take, tell Colin to take me out for a meal. Do something like that. Anyway, I was here at the front, and I was kneeling down at the 9 o'clock service, and I was worshiping God. And I remember worshiping God, and tears were coming down my face, and I was worshiping God. God, open the door. This is all in my heart. And you know how it is. You're crying out to God for the same, and God's hearing your cry as you heard my cry. And then someone tapped me on the shoulder. Now, I don't know about you, but when someone taps me on the shoulder, when I'm crying and meet with God, it's very annoying. (laughs) Tapped me on the shoulder, and and guess who it was? It was one of Colin's assistants, Chris Ragg. And as I wiped the tears from my eyes, he said, the senior minister wants to see you. I thought, oh, the senior minister wants to see me. Oh, great. Oh, yeah, I prayed that prayer. (laughs) I went upstairs. I don't even think Colin understood what I was saying. I understood what he was saying. And he said, come back at the end of the service because I want to take you out for a meal. I want you to join us. A few of us are going out. Amen. And we went down to the Metropolitan Hotel and had Carvery, hallelujah. And it was good. And what was happening there was one of the guys who was, Colin, was working for Colin was leaving and as we, it was a goodbye party, really. Uh, and there was four of us there. And then Colin, shortly after that, invited me to come and to train with him. And in the second year of my Bible school, I managed to travel to six different nations in the world and to become Colin's assistant and, and to help out there. And I had the privilege of doing that. Why do I say that this morning? It's because God can make a way. God can make a way when there seems to be no way. If God has called you to a place... And he's brought you to a place. He can open doors for you. Miracle doors. Any door. Hallelujah. Any door. And here, David was finally crowned king in 1 Chronicles chapter 14. As we come to a conclusion today. David was anointed king because God had a destiny on his life. And suddenly the Philistines decided to come against David. And as they came against David, David started to seek God and say, God, what's happening here? I thought you anointed me king. I thought I was going to rule. But the Philistines came against him. It was like the devil was putting another roadblock. They said, well, you're anointed king. You've got a destiny. You've got a future. Forget that. You're not, you're not going to achieve it. And David prays this prayer. Lord, shall I go up? And God says to him, go up, for I will deliver them into your hands. Hallelujah. So they went up to Baal-perazim and David defeated them there. Then David said, God has broken through my enemies by my hand like a breakthrough of water. Well, there it is. God can break through your enemies. Hallelujah. God can break through anybody who comes against you. Any difficulty, any situation you're going through, God is the God of the breakthrough. Amen. He's the God who breaks through. Why? Because he's got a call in your life. He's got a call on KT. He's got a call on KTLCC to impact London and the world with the gospel. I'll leave you with this story. As, I, as I've been having the privilege of being a dad, 
Uh, I'm not the most perfect dad. I'm just learning how the, at the moment. So don't take this as perfection. Uh, but I've been learning how to bring up Judah. And I've been trying to teach him the Bible. And uh, teach him that God is the God of the breakthrough. Hallelujah. Now, November the 5th really helped me because there was fire in the sky. And as these fireworks were going off, I said to Judah, he, he, he pointed, what's that, what's that, in his own little language. And I said, it's fire. He said, fire. I said, oh, yeah, fire, fire. He said, I said, and I said, I said, fire. And then it goes, boom. So he went, fire, boom, fire, boom. So he went to nursery the next day and he's walking around saying, fire, boom, fire, boom. <laughs> now, don't ask him to do it at the end of the service. He's not into performance, by the way. Because every time I ask him to do it. So the nursery worker came to me. She was very concerned. She said, I don't know what's going on, but your son, he keeps, going, he keeps calling me fire and boom. Fire and boom. She was very concerned. But you know what? I was reading the Bible because on the altar, there was no fire with Elijah in, in the kid's Bible. He turned over the page and it's got all this fire. So I said, listen, God is a God who calls. You can call out fire from heaven. Look, there's no fire. He turned over. Fire, boom. And so Judah would say, fire, boom, fire, boom. And I was trying to teach him that God is the God who makes a way. God is the God of fire. And then he, the David and Goliath passage, which he loves, we're trying to teach him not to fall on the ground. Now, God doesn't want you to fall. If you fall, he'll pick you back up. Hallelujah. You know, but it takes him not to fall. And he would be at the end of the bed, and the bed's about this high. So I said, listen, don't fall, fall. And he would say, fall, 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 fall. I thought that was a bit of a negative word, so I didn't want him to keep saying it, but I used it for, for God's benefit. And I turned over the page, and there was David, little David. You can see a little speck on the, on the Bible of ginger hair. I don't know why David's ginger in, in this Bible, but anyway, God bless all the ginger people here today. Amen. They're anointed. Hallelujah. And this, this, this little boy with ginger hair, he comes the next page with a rock, and he fires at Goliath, and Goliath just falls at the ground. And so I say, there's David, there's David, Judah, turns over the plate and I said, listen, fall, fall. And so he's going away, fall, 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 fall. Why? Because I'm teaching that God is the God who knocks down giants. Hallelujah. God is the God of the breakthrough. God is the God who can make a way for you. Hallelujah. God is the God who makes a way where there seems to be no way. Hallelujah. God can make a way where there seems to be no way. Just lift your hands right now and say that to the Lord right now. God can make a way where there seems to be no way. God can make a way where there seems to be no way. God, you can make a way for me where there seems to be no way. God, you can make a way for me and for KT and for the church and for London, Lord, churches, Lord, where there seems to be no way, Father. In Jesus' name, you are the way, you are the truth, you are the life. Every head bowed and every eye closed right now. Here today, I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer just quickly as we close the service today. If you're in this place today and you don't know Christ, you don't have His forgiveness, there's a block in your heart. Today, I'm going to ask God to forgive you and I want you to pray this prayer. And then I want you to lift your hand at the end of the service and respond to God here this morning. Because now is the time to come back to God. Now is the time to unblock your heart. Just say, Lord, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I recognize that Jesus died on the cross and He rose again on the third day. Lord, today I commit my life to you. Lord, I know you've made a way for me by dying and rising again on the third day. Lord, unblock my heart this morning. Unblock my future this morning, my destiny in you, in Jesus' name. 
every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're in this place today and you need His forgiveness and you prayed that prayer, I'd like to pray with you before we close this service. If that's you right now, don't put it off. If that's you, lift your hand high right in this place today. You need Jesus in your life. You need His forgiveness, His grace. Lift your hand high in this place today. You prayed that prayer and you want Christ to forgive you. Lift your hand high in this place, just in the balcony right now. Lift your hand high. You need His forgiveness. You need His grace. Lift your hand right across this place today. And if you're in this place today, you need to recommit your life to Christ. And you're saying, God, I've got all this stuff blocking up my heart. Lord, I want to recommit my life to you. You lift your hand high right now because I want to pray with you. Thank you, Father. Lift it high right across this place. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I pray for every single person who's lifted their hand right now. You can see them if they can be a consolidator next to the ladies in the balcony. Father, I ask you, in Jesus' name, release your grace. Release your power on these people who've raised their hand and they're saying, God, I want you in my life. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand right now as we continue to worship Him.